you know what, we graded them an A. Uh, we don't give out a lot of A's. I think we gave out, they gave out four A pluses and I think three A's. So yeah, top seven of 32 uh, certainly speaks to that. And again, not being able to pick till 60, uh, as you said, whether or not you know the cost family investment was worth it or not, uh, when you're starting at 60 uh, and you're still able to get the players that they got, I thought they did really well. Again, I'm a, as you know, I'm a big fan of their staff. I think they've right. done a good job. You talked about the depth in their prospect system, and, and that's because of, of guys they've gotten. And again, you know, there's no guarantee in any of these guys, I'll be honest with you. But uh, they've got some guys that have a chance and have some different assets to their game that you know, I think they're different than some of the guys they have in our system. So I thought they did very well coming out of it without being able to pick on first uh, in the first night. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. I hope you're having a good time. Hope you're having a wonderful summer. And we are, ooh, two months away from training camp, right? By the time you're listening to this, July 11, and training camp like uh, nine weeks away, 10 weeks away at the outset. So uh, it's pretty close. Feels like the season just came to an end. uh, And we haven't even gotten a free agency. We'll talk a little bit about that. In just a couple of minutes, uh, we are going to talk about the seven players the Hurricanes drafted, none of which I had ever heard of, but you don't expect me to know them. Uh, But we will talk with somebody who does, Mark Seidel, who was actually with us the last podcast that we did, where we talked about the Hurricanes' prospects leading into the draft. Now we're going to talk about these new seven players, uh, and we'll find out about upside and tendencies and things like that. So we'll do all that with Mark Seidel from North American Central Scouting. Uh, This is not NHL Central Scouting. He's an independent group, but you can find his work everywhere, and you can follow him on Twitter at Mark Seidel. All right, we'll get to that in just a bit. There is at least a little bit of news to discuss, and uh, it involves a Hurricanes defenseman. I don't know where your mind is going. Uh, But we're going to talk about Tony D'Angelo. But first, a reminder. The Hurricanes, the Canes Corner Podcast is brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, windows, roofing, siding, storm doors, aluminumcompany.com. Sammy Hanna's crew do a great job. Check them out online. Free no obligation estimate there. Cannot recommend them highly enough. Uh, Incredible people. They do great work, and they clean up really well afterwards. All right, let's get to uh, the news of the day. Uh, I sort of alluded to this, I think, either in previous podcasts or on the radio, but whereas people are surprised, I am not. This is the way that the Tom Dundon era has been. If they cannot figure out a, a price, Tom Dundon and his crew have a value that they assign to players based on what they bring to the table. If you come in at above that price, Tom doesn't really negotiate. 
Not with not with players who are not considered core pieces. He does not negotiate. He just moves on. And that's what he did with Elias Lindholm. That's what he did with Justin Falk. That's what he did to in a way with Joel Edmondson. And I mean he could do that with Martin Natchez too. But that's what he did with Tony D'Angelo. Now, the return for D'Angelo, we'll get to uh, D'Angelo in a second. The return, uh, a second, third, and fourth. Uh, The second does not convey until 2024, whatever. The third is next year. Next year's draft is supposed to be outstanding. So I heard people talking about it on the radio over the weekend that a third next year is kind of like a second in this draft, whatever. They're all lottery tickets. Uh, Only the fourth came in this draft. So, it's value. Maybe better than you might have expected for an RFA, but is it more valuable than what Tony D'Angelo brought? And so I'll just do that. I'll just, let me just go to the D'Angelo part of this. What he agreed to with Philadelphia, essentially two times five, I don't know the breakdown of the contract, not even sure he signed it. But average annual value, $5 million a year, two times for two years. I kind of think the Hurricanes could have fit that. Like, whether or not you viewed Tony D'Angelo as a third-line, third-pair defenseman uh, with defensive liabilities, um, but obviously offensive gifts, if you decided that D'Angelo really can't play with Jacob Slavin, okay. Except that the numbers all said that he could. Now, maybe the team has different analytics than you know than we have access to. Um but in terms of possession metrics, expected goals, actual goals. Scoring chances for and against. High danger chances for and against. The pairing of Jacob Slavin and Tony D'Angelo was Carolina's best this year. It was better in those regards than Slavin and Dougie Hamilton. And I'm not saying that D'Angelo is better than Dougie Hamilton. He's not. He's different. He's just different. Jacob Slavin had a very good year this year. A really good year. But so did D'Angelo. Until the end. And I wonder if the last 14 games of D'Angelo, which saw him just get six assists, and the power play started to, you know, wane the last 25 games, and D'Angelo had a good series against Boston, a very good series against Boston, other than the one game where he had a meltdown, I think that was game four. But he had a terrible series against the Rangers. He was a minus six in the series against the Rangers. I think he had two points. So other than that, I can't think of a reason why you wouldn't, at least on a two-year deal, value Tony D'Angelo at, you know, four to four and a half million a year. Don't know. 
Um, to me, replacing that is going to cost you $5 million a year. So I, you know, I hear a lot of people, oh, you can just go out and sign John Klingberg. Well, two things have to happen there. One, John Klingberg has to want to sign, <laughs> uh, and then you have to go do it. And he's probably not signing for two years, so the commitment is longer, which maybe that's fine. But is John Klingberg just signing for $4 million? I mean, I got to think John Klingberg's going to be about it going to be in the 5 million range. Otherwise, if, if he's just 4 million, he goes back to Dallas, no? Or maybe he just wants out of Dallas. But I just think that there's going to be teams on the market looking for a right shot defenseman who can do a little power play work, um, who might be not as good as he used to be, although it does sound like I am describing Jake Gardner. We'll get to that in a minute. I just think J- John Klingberg going to be $5 million a year. Could always trade for Tyson Barry. He's got two years left and a deal that pays him 4.5. Maybe that's better. Maybe Barry is a better overall player than D'Angelo. It's debatable. Again, I think D'Angelo was a really good fit here. So it's it's a little disappointing that they couldn't figure out a way to work this out. But as I said, this is the DNA of this front office. This is what we are willing to pay you. Did you ask for a million dollars more? Sorry. Oh, we've traded you. It's what happens. It's what has happened at every turn. Now, that doesn't mean that the organization isn't right. just want to point this out. I am not blaming Dundon, Tulski, Waddell. It's really Dundon and Tulski. I'm not blaming anybody. Just pointing it out. Sometimes the player also is stubborn. Maybe in this case, Tony D'Angelo was asking for more. We don't know how that worked out. We know what he settled for with Philadelphia. He's also home. The Flyers are home for him. In the case of Justin Falk and the Hurricanes, my understanding is that while Falk is playing well in St. Louis, had a very good year, kind of regrets leaving. And, you know, holding out for the extra million per year. Whereas he could have stayed and played here for, if the number was five and a half, I think Justin Falk might still be here instead of six and a half. And maybe Elias Lindholm would still be here if he didn't ask for whatever it was. So it's not always on management in terms of who we, you know, point the finger at and say, you did this wrong. Um, but I will say this. You have to have a plan. I don't know what plan B is. Tony D'Angelo was plan A, but I don't know what plan B is. So let me ask this question. You need, with right now, if you go to capfriendly.com, everybody knows about it now. That's the, uh, the website that tells you how much cap space each NHL team has. It has the Hurricanes at about uh, roughly $19 million worth of cap room. And if you add up the players that they've got, NHL players, we're going to try to use that, there are eight forwards, there are four NHL defensemen, 
and two goalies. That seems a little... Uh, and one of those, by the way, one of those NHL defensemen is Jake Gardner. Let's just handle that right now. I do not believe Jake Gardner is going to play any more games for the Hurricanes. Just a feeling. Now, maybe you feel differently, and that's fine. I could be wrong. I don't think he plays again for Carolina. I think the Hurricanes would like to find a team that has a salary cap room that they have to burn. Buffalo might be one of those teams. There might be others, maybe Arizona. I don't know. But the Hurricanes might want to find a team that has to burn some cap room. And you could give them Gardner and a second-round pick for a fifth. Right? You're trading away an asset, but you're also creating $4 million worth of cap room. That's a possibility. The other possibility, I think a lesser possibility because of the, the tendency in this organization, is a buyout, which would cost you a million dollars this year in terms of cap room and just under a million and a half next year. Cap's supposed to go up a little bit more next year. I think we have two more years of flat cap, but roughly uh, it's, it's doable. But again, they don't really like to buy out. They, they didn't remember they wouldn't buy out Scott Darling. Of course, they made a good trade. <laughs> James Reimer was a pretty good goaltender uh, when they got rid of Scott Darling. So there are, uh, I don't believe Jake Gardner's contract will be on the Hurricanes tab next year. Whether they have the full $4 million uh, of room or just three of it via a buyout, I think they'll have some room. So they have between 20 and 22 and $23 million left to play with. Now we've eliminated Jake Gardner. So now we're down to needing three NHL defensemen. Jalen Chatfield is part of the future. I don't believe he's part of the future next year. Not in terms of somebody you can rely upon to play a lot. I do think that Jalen Chatfield in the future will be an NHL defenseman. I view him as, and I think this would be the smart way to do it anyway, if he plays above this, then it's gravy. I view Jalen Chatfield as a seventh defenseman, which means you need a four, five, and six. Slavin, you've got Pesci, you've got Shea. And if you want to say that Pesci and Shea are three and four, I think Pesci is an elite defenseman. That's fine. He didn't have, I don't think Brett Pesci had his best year. But I think Brett is excellent. And maybe they need a two, five, and six. But either way, they need they need three NHL defensemen. It's going to be hard to do. They still need also need five NHL forwards. By the way, the, the Hurricanes could bring back Ethan Bear. We'll get to the, the solutions in a second. They still need five NHL forwards. Steven Lawrence will be back, unless he's traded. Martin Natchez will be back unless he's part of a deal, which he could be. But you got to find a bunch of forwards and a bunch of defensemen, and you got $23 million at best to play with. Hurricanes have been mentioned with Claude Giroux. I don't see it. Maybe. Depends on the price, depends on the years. There's a lot of things that people want. 
and make a list of all the free agents the Hurricanes have signed. Calvin DeHaan, Jake Gardner, Jesper Faust. DeHaan was fine, but ultimately they moved his contract because he was a third pair making $4.5 million. Gardner has not worked out. Faust has. By the way, this is the last year of his contract at $2 million. Jack Drury will be here next year. Maybe they re- re- revisit Ethan Bear. So there are some low-cost options, but when you get down to it, the Hurricanes have to add some pretty significant pieces without a ton of money, and it's going to be difficult to see big numbers going out the door for notable players. You go to fourthperiod.com and you see Hurricanes have been mentioned with Andre Burakovsky. I mean, are they getting him? Is he signing a two-year deal? Going to be tough. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to see. The um, free agency period begins on the 13th. So that's this week. My hope is that the Hurricanes do something. Uh, but I still think that it's more likely than not that we are dealing with a trade. Before we break and bring in Mark Seidel from North American Central Scouting in just a bit, this is a very big offseason for Carolina. And I know we said that last offseason, and we probably said it the offseason before. But the Hurricanes' window to win a Stanley Cup right now, has to be looked at as two years. Two years from now, the following players are going to get new contracts. Jacob Slavin. Even though he has one more year left uh, on his contract, if you're Tom Dundon, you're doing it then. Brett Pesci. Sebastian Ajo. Tavo Teravainen, and Seth Jarvis. It's possible that Brady Shea is on that list as well, but let's just say he's not. Those five players represent a bump of somewhere between 15 and $20 million. It's going to be closer to 20 By that point, Jordan Stahl will be at a lower number, but... You'll have goalies also uh, at a lower number. It all depends on what Pierre Kachekov looks like two years from now or A2 McAniemi looks like two years from now. But theoretically, the goaltending situation should be a little less expensive. Not much, but a little. Capping going up that much. Your window is two years to win a Stanley Cup. Tony D'Angelo could have been a part of that, even if he was on a third pair. Even if he was on a third pair, that wouldn't stop you from going to get, going out and getting a John Klingberg. We'll see. It's going to be very difficult for the Hurricanes to piece this puzzle together. $23 million for eight bodies, eight NHL bodies. That's not that much. And you want to go out and make sure you've got depth in the organization. Hey, Josh Lavo had a monster year and a monster playoff. Maybe Josh Lavo's part part of this team. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff at the wall. It's going to be an interesting offseason for Carolina. 
The window is two years. By the way, we haven't talked about this a lot, and he might not even appreciate me mentioning it, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know who else has a contract that only lasts two more years? The head coach. There's a reason why Rod Brindamore only signed a three-year contract. It's not because he wanted to negotiate again in three years. I think that's the window. Now, maybe Rod will re-up for another three years. He goes at it hard, man. He goes at it hard. So, the next two years are critical for the Hurricanes. Hey, and while we're at it, can we get sports wagering? North Carolina General Assembly? Stop being a bunch of losers. Let's go. Let's get this done. Tom Dundon wants it. The NHL wants it. You guys want it. I want it. I don't even bet, but I want it. All right. Quick break. Mark Seidel, North American Central Scouting on the other side. Mark Seidel, North American Central Scouting. He is with us again. Back-to-back episodes for you. Thank you. Uh, If I had a payroll, I'd put you on it. I want people to follow you on Twitter, though, at Mark Seidel. uh, I know you were a fun follow during the draft. Uh, So let's talk about the draft. Uh, Before we get to specific players, we're going to go through them. Um, Mm -hmm. Overall, how would you rate this draft as a draft? I've heard people talk about next year's draft being really good. I know Connor Bedard is supposed to be the uh, the hotness, uh, but how would you rate this draft? Uh, well, just on uh, next year's draft, it's funny. Right at the whole of every time somebody said next year's draft is going to be phenomenal, <laughs> I'd be much richer man than I am. I'll tell you that much. Uh, you know, we can go back a year ago when people asked about this year's draft, and everybody said, "Oh, it's phenomenal." We got right these other guys. Uh, at the end of the day, this draft, quite frankly, is. I don't think it had a lot of superstars at the top, certainly no generational players, but there was good depth throughout the first round. So I think, you know, almost anywhere in the first round, you could get a guy that, uh, you know, has a, has a pretty good chance to be a top six guy or a top pairing guy for you on the back end, certainly a second pairing at worst. So, you know, I think it had good depth. Uh, it just didn't have the superstars that, you know, again, I, next year, I, I, they will. Connor Bedard, Matt Bay, Mishkov, uh, or Dvorsky is a Czech kid that's going to be right in that mix. Uh, the Pinelli kid, or not Pinelli, uh, Fantelli kid that's in Chicago. So next year does have superstars, but you know time will tell whether it's, uh, it's as good as we think it is right now. All right, the Hurricanes did not have a first-round pick, or I guess we could say, yes, Perry Kotkaniemi was their first-round <laughs> pick and their third-round pick because that's that was the cost to pry Kotkaniemi out of the Montreal Canadiens' grasp. Uh, but let's get to their first pick, number 60 overall. Uh, the, for, for, normally, the Hurricanes are all about Finns. This year, they were all about Russians. I think they took four four Russians out of their seven draft picks. Uh, the first one is a forward, a 6-1 forward uh, from Russia named Gled Trikozov. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Maybe you do. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, just you know, just overall, yeah, they took four Russians. I mean, I think what they tried to do is, you know, where everybody was scared of the Russians and the factor of the war and certainly the stuff that's going off with Philly Goalie and some of these other guys, I think Carolina took a calculator gamble and said, listen, you know, we think by the time these guys are ready to play, they're going to stay over there for a couple of years. When they're ready to play, this will all sort of be in the past and we'll, and we'll get some good value. And I thought they did, to be honest. I mean, they got six of their seven picks were in our top 141. So I'll tell you what we thought. But Trikhozov is it 
is a really good player. Again, you know, you're going to hear this from almost all of them, but fell because of the Russian factor. Uh, high-end skill, you know, skill. Yurov was the guy that went in the first, and I don't know if the skill level is that much different between him and Trikazov. So, uh, you know, I think Yurov's a little more polished, but this is a guy that if he comes over, he, he has to score for you. Again, has to be in your top six. Very strong kid. Um, so lots to like about him. I mean, I know uh, earlier in the year guys were talking about him and some teams thought he might be a first-rounder. Again, I think he, he tailed off a little bit, and then the Russian factor caused him to drop. And I think Carolina was pretty happy when they got him at 60, for sure. So with with Russian kids, the fact that they will stay over, and they almost all, like Andrei Svechnikov was playing minor hockey in North America. So, I mean, you know, he just jumps right to the NHL. But for the most part, if these guys are playing in the KHL, they pretty much stayed there. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov uh, stayed there. I think he didn't come over. I think he was 24 his rookie year. So, I mean, this guy could be there for five years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, we've seen some of that. I mean, some of them are, you know, the odd Russian will come over and, and play in the Canadian hockey, like what Svechnikov did. Um, and certainly obviously had success. And he was a guy, like, came first to the USHL, obviously, and then he went to Barry. But, um, yeah, a lot of them will stay over. And, and like you say, Kaprizov is a, is a good example of a guy, you know, he, he stayed over there, he developed his game, came over here, and is now a superstar. And, you know, I think with what's going on politically and some of the, the stuff that's going on in the world away from hockey, I think you're going to see some of that. I think you know, teams will have no no problem. They'll be patient. Let them play, like you say, to play over there in the KHL, um, play against men, get better, and then at some point they'll offer them a contract. It's just at some point you got to hope that the Russian government lets them come over where, where <laughs> some of these kids right now that they're signing, they won't let them come. But, you know, I like all politics, I'm sure it'll change by that point in time, and, and I think that's what will happen with most, all four of the guys that they've drafted. Well, I'm not sure the Russian politics are going to change, but, uh, and that might actually work to uh, Carolina's advantage. If these guys are really good, then uh, it'll be, it'll be sort of like a feather for them uh, if they can play on this type of a stage. Uh, Real quick, before I move on to the next Russian, um, what is Trikazov's ceiling, do you think? I think his ceiling is probably as a uh, as top six, a second line left winger. I think you know he's got to be in your top six. I mean, you know, by the time he gets here, will he develop the rest of his game? Maybe, but you know, I think he's a guy you drafted for his skill and his ability to score. So I think you know his ceiling is is probably as a second line left winger for them. Um, and then you know, may he develop into a third line left winger? Maybe, but if you're a Kane's fan, he's in your top six. I think you're pretty happy getting a guy at the end of the second round. All right, what are we talking about with Alexander uh, Perevalov, uh, who also has some size, looks like a strong kid, has a scoring touch as well? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, Adam, because uh, those are two guys that we had very similar. We had Chukhozov uh, at 59, and we had uh, Perevalov at 61, and they're really kind of similar. Uh, I think Chukhozov's a little more physical than Perevalov, but again, a high-skill rushing, handles a puck, uh, really good hands. Again, lots of those things that you, if you think of a Russian skill guy, he fits exactly that. I mean, his body is a little more slight than Trikhozov, so you know, I think that's going to you're going to have to fill out and mature, which it will. Um, but again, another offensive guy, another guy I think can play either left or right side. Um, and again, he he more than Trikhozov has to be in your top six. I just don't see him playing in the bottom six. And um, you know, so I think you give him a couple of years, let him develop physically and, and mature, and then. Uh, bring him over, and, and if he can beat out somebody in that top six, then, uh, and quite frankly, him and Trickerlove may be fighting for the same spot in three <laughs> camps from now or two, whatever. So, uh, but again, very, very similar players, almost exactly the same in our rankings, and, 
and you know we thought at getting them at 71 was good value. All right, now to the fourth round. Uh, again, the Hurricanes didn't have a first-round pick. The first two guys went in the second and third round. And in round four, uh, the Hurricanes left Mother Russia and went to Sweden. They haven't drafted a Sweden in a while. Um, trying to remember the last Sweden. Might have been, no, they probably have. Um, Jesper Selgren has been uh, drafted recently. Um, so another defenseman, though, uh, Simon Forsmark, big kid. I keep hearing that he's got offensive upside, but I think he had just three points in 45 games in the Swedish Hockey League last year, which, I don't know, he played 45 games in the Swedish Hockey League. Shouldn't that tell me something? Yeah, I don't think he's, you know, I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to come in and, and put up big points nationally. He does have more skill than that, and, and the Swedish Hockey League is a, is a very good, you know, men's league of all of the men's leagues in Europe. Uh, it's probably the best you know, the KHL is probably the best and the Swedish league is probably the next best so he's playing against really good players in a really good league but you know I think to anybody that says he's going to come over here and be a guy that's going to put up 40 50 points for Kings I don't think oh, no. he's watched him at all I think he's a bottom six pairing guy kind of a five six uh the only issue I've got with Forsmark I didn't mind him at all we had him at 122 um his feet are a little clunky um now he gets the pucks quick enough but he just I just find when you watch, I watch him a lot on tape, and I find that he gets a little clunky as he gets tired in a shift, his, his feet get heavy, and you know we know how quick the NHL is. So that's going to have to get improved um, for him to get to be able to compete for a spot. But good size, and a 6'2 guy that's got, some, you know, again, some skill to be able to make outlet passes and entries and stuff. So uh, has a chance, and, and has a chance to be a bottom six pairing guy and, and again in a few years. Well, you need third-pair defensemen. They, that's why they let you dress six. Exactly. That's the way somebody's got to play that spot. Uh, it's like you need uh, you need fourth line players. So so somebody's going to have to man those spots. All right. So uh, the lone American that was selected. I love the name Cruz Lucius, uh, who has a brother, I believe, uh, who was drafted a couple of years ago. Uh, they get him in. I guess it's round. No, I guess it's late. In, they had two fourth round picks, right? Uh, so he he was playing uh, for the U.S. developmental team. Uh, what do you like mm-hmm. or not like about Cruz Lucius? Really like Cruz Lucius. Uh, we had him at seventy on our list, so you know we thought he was a top of the third round pick, and we got him at the bottom of the fourth. So um, you know what? If you'd have asked me in December, I'd have said I don't know if he's even a draft. Like I've known him as a player for you know since he was thirteen, fourteen, just because of the entire hockey league draft and stuff. But I uh, really struggled, I think, in the first half of the year. Uh, and as bad as he struggled in the first half of times, I don't think he could find a role in the second half. He came on uh, and went crazy. Uh, really was a guy that climbed up our boards. Again, we didn't have him on our list, I don't think, in our, our January list, and then uh, finished up at 70. So, uh, you know, decent size, big, strong kid, 6'1", 185, has a lot of skill. Um, again, can make plays. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you could see on the third line there. I mean, with his size and strength and his ability, he's got good hockey IQ. Again, not the swiftest guy. He's not going to win any uh, any speed skating races. But, uh, you know, he's a big kid growing into himself. And, and if you saw him in the first half, you'd say, what the hell is Carolina doing? If you saw him in the second half, you'd say, how the hell did he fall as far as he fell? So I think a real good value at that point for them. And, uh, you know, has a chance, like I said, he, he doesn't have to play in their top six, I don't think, to, to play in the National League. Um, he, he By that point, he'll have some skill to be able to do it. But chances are he'll probably play in the, on the third, uh, third line for Carolina as we go forward. In in your opinion, is is skating something that you can not just a little? I'm going to ask the question a different way. 
Uh, we used to talk to a to a a guy who was a college football coach, and also coached quarterbacks in the NFL. And he said that it's almost impossible to improve accuracy as a quarterback. Like you can you can improve it a little bit. So my question is, how much can one can a player improve his skating? He may not be able to come become faster, but you can become more efficient, I guess. But how how much yeah, can you so improve skating? Yeah, there's a couple cases. I mean, because of skating, one of the biggest issues that kids have, especially in the National League draft, is leg strength. They don't have the leg strength to match the rest of their body. So, you know, I'll go watch a guy, and he'll have a good stride, but he's, he's slow, he's weak to pucks. Those are guys you don't worry about because as they get stronger, as they, they get into the, the regime and their legs start to build up, they'll be fine. It's the guys with the awkward stride, knock need a little bit. They're, they're guys that are... Very difficult. You can, as you said, almost like the, the same equivalency to a quarterback. You can make their feet a little bit quicker, but their, their stride is hard. They've skated that way since they've been three and four years old. And, you know, every team has skating skaters and development people that can help and make, make it better. But I've found over the years, those guys are hard because once they, they, they're that age, uh, you can make them a little bit quicker, but they're never going to be swift afoot, and it's always going to be an issue for them. So as long as their stride's okay, teams will work with it. And you'll see sometimes a guy will high and they'll say, well, he doesn't skate very well. He doesn't skate very well because he's still weak and, and still a boy, but uh, it's when their stride is a lot awkward that it makes it even more difficult. All right, back to Russia with Mark, Mark Seidel, North American Central Scouting. Uh, all right, so it said in the Hurricanes release, it says, with their only fifth-round pick, because Carolina at this point in the draft usually has, like, multiple fifths, multiple sixths. That's what they have done. Uh, and maybe that's why they're, uh, you know, the system is, is generally viewed as having a lot of good players. I don't know how many great players they have, uh, but a lot of good players. Uh, but Vladimir Grudinin, I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, he's a little small uh, for a defenseman at 5'10". Uh, what do you think? Yeah, you hit it on it. And he pronounced it right, too, so you're, uh, you're two for two on, wow. on the last couple. So uh, real good feet. You know, we just talked about bad skaters. I mean, this kid's got great feet. Um, as you said, not the biggest kid in the world, but the fence pretty good. Um, yeah, you can see good position of the coach pretty well. Uh, again, you know, when you, when a team drafts a five ten D, a lot of times people think, well, he must be a guy, a pure offensive guy that can quarterback a power play. He's not that kind of guy. Uh, he, he's got some offense to his game again, probably at best in middle pairing. The way he skates gives him a real good chance. Uh, the Russian Federation loves him. He's played both the under 18s for them and then he played in the world juniors last thing. Uh, Christmas for uh, in Edmonton before it was cancelled. I mean, it's, it's very uncommon for an issue for an 04 to play in that tournament in Russia. They have decided that he was good enough. So he skates really well. Um, it's just uh, he's kind of a, a sort of an all three zone defenseman, we call him. They isn't going to generate a lot, but uh, at that size, he can defend, which is strange for a guy that size. But, but his feet are really his calling card. Yeah, and he also played seven playoff games. So again, as I said before, with. Uh... Uh, with the kid from Sweden, the fact that you're, you're playing in high leverage situations at that age at least says something about the way you were viewed uh, by the people who were putting you on the ice. Um, if you play 45 games as an 18-year-old in in the, in the top league in Sweden, I mean, I got to think that you're okay. Um, and Absolutely. if you're playing seven playoff games, for a team that eventually won uh, the championship, if I'm not mistaken, in the KHL, uh, then maybe this guy has a has an opportunity to be a good one. All right, let me go to uh, to the goaltender. 
think for the second straight year, Carolina takes a goaltender from Czechia uh, in the draft. I don't remember the name of the other one, but that's fine. Uh, we haven't talked about a goaltender that wasn't named Pyotr Kachetkov or Etim Makaniemi in a while. Uh, so what do we know uh, about... Um, I lost his name here. What do we know about Jacob Vondras? Probably my favorite pick that the, the Canes made. Um, we had him at 75. It wasn't a very good goal year, but he was one of those guys that when you watched him, he's got great size, great mobility, uh, technical, very sound. I mean, he, he's, he wasn't highly talented. He kind of played, started out in some, in, in some bad leagues, quite frankly, and just kept moving on up because you know, he, he kept winning and kept putting up numbers. So, um, but a guy that's really exciting. Uh, you think of a raw goalie that you can work with. I mean, to get a guy like that in the sixth with that size, that mobility, um, you know, I think there was, there's lots of upside there. And that was one of the picks when they took it. I thought, Jesus, they got, you know, there are a lot of goalies this year. And he was, I think he was third or fourth on our list of goalies. And I think, I don't know how many goalies went ahead of him in the actual draft. But I think has a chance to play. Again, these are guys that are probably five, six years. Goalies take longer. But certainly you want to be able to get a guy that's got size, that technically is there and has some athleticism. And he checks all three boxes in those areas. Well, that, uh, you just made me a huge fan of Jacob Rondres. I can't wait to watch him now. Uh, all right, and, and, and finally, uh, they went back to uh, Russia. Uh, Alexander Pelevin. It's the second Alexander and their fourth Russian. Uh, another guy on the back end. Uh, so, thoughts? Well, I'll tell you, the thought I had when they took him, uh, we didn't include him on our list, but my, my first thought when, when I saw Carolina took him is they might have a better chance of getting him over here sooner because the KHL may throw him out. Uh, this kid plays hard. He's very, very physical. He's not a big kid again. You know, maybe six foot if you like him. Strong, one, I think he's around 190, um, but really plays hard. Um, not a lot of skills that really blow you away in any capacity. But, again, the, you know, it's hard to find guys that play hard. But again, we talked about that last pairing. Uh, if he ever plays, he's going to be in that kind of a pairing. But he's going to be one of those guys that the other teams is going to think about when they come in the building thinking we got to play against Pelevin tonight. Um, you know, whether he, or he does or he doesn't, he may end up staying in the KHL. When you get into the seventh round, you get a guy that plays hard like that, that's, that's pretty good value. All right. All right. They might kick him out uh, of the KHL for playing too hard. All right. Overall, what did you think of Carolina's performance uh, on the second day of the draft since they didn't do anything in day two of the draft, day one of the draft? Yeah. Thursday, yeah, they're real quiet. Uh, you know, well, we graded them an A. Uh, we don't give out a lot of A's. I think we gave out – they gave out four A-pluses and I think three A's. So, yeah, seven of 32 uh, certainly speaks to that. And, again, not being able to pick till 60, uh, as you said, whether or not, you know, the cost family investment was worth it or not. Uh, when you're starting at 60 uh, and you're still able to get the players that they got, I thought they did really well. Again, I'm a, as you know, I'm a big fan of their staff. I think they've right. done a good job. You talked about the depth in their prospect system, and, and that's because of, of guys they've gotten. And, again, you know, there's no guarantee in any of these guys, I'll be honest with you. But uh, they've got some guys that have a chance and have some different assets for the game that, you know, I think they're different than some of the guys they have in our system. So I thought they did very well coming out of it without being able to pick on first uh, in the first night. Well, I'm now very encouraged, and we're going to print Stanley Cup Finals tickets tonight. Uh, Mark Seidel, <laughs> North, North American Central Scouting. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at Mark Seidel. I appreciate your time, man. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing to me how you know all these guys. Uh, I will not know them until they show up in the NHL. That's my that's my my own that's my policy. I can't. I just don't have well, enough bandwidth. 
Well, that's good because then you wouldn't call me if you knew all these kids yourself. I might call oh, I you. Never anyway. get to talk to you. So I might call you. You just anyway. stay in your lane. You do what you do very well, and I'll keep trying to figure out who these little Russian guys are and players from Europe. And uh, and I'll see you when the Carolinas in the Stanley Cup final. I'll meet you there for a drink. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, did uh, did Montreal get the first pick right? Yes, absolutely. Because the number one guy we had on our list, uh, most upside, uh, comparable Yarmir Yager. If you can draft a guy that's even three quarters Yarmir Yager, you're doing all right. So. Uh, they all got warts, but yeah, I think Slavkovsky was the right fit. I give this to Declan with the Packers pick for going with the right pick. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk soon. Incredibly encouraged right now. <laughs> Look, maybe the Hurricanes found themselves a bunch of diamonds in the rough, and maybe they win. Maybe the, when everybody zigged and stayed away from Russians, and the Hurricanes zagged and drafted four of them, uh, who knows? Uh, but we're years away from finding out. All right, we got to go. I am Adam Gold. Thank you very much for hanging out on the Canes Corner Podcast post-draft edition. Uh, We'll see you very soon. Who knows with whom we will be speaking then, Uh, but you can give us a rating and a review. Follow us wherever you get your podcast. This way it shows up automatically in your phone. You don't have to wonder, hey, did Gold do another podcast? Yes, of course we did. What else would we be doing? On the back porch with the cicadas? Perfect. Uh, We should invite all of you over here for a podcast, a live podcast. I shouldn't have said that. All right. Uh, We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find us at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Go check them out. Sammy Hannon's crew do a great job. If it's for the exterior of your home, You can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. And until next time, I'm Adam. Bye. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsband.com or wherever you get your podcasts.